0: A uh, quick thing I want to say before I, I get into the word, I, I, do, I want to thank my parents for coming tonight. They came from Sebring, Florida, about two hours south of Orlando. It's a real blessing to have them come tonight. I, when I told them I was being ordained, I, I said, you know, I just want to let you know, please do not feel any obligation to come. Uh, but they wanted to come anyway, and so I'm, I'm deeply appreciative. They are, in a way, affiliate members of TCF, uh, because even though they live in Florida, they listen to the sermons online. Uh, Pretty much all the time, and not just mine, they listen to Chad's too, and uh, anybody else that we have come. So uh, they're right there with us in our study of the word. You may not know it, but I come from a long line of shepherds. I don't look like it, I'm sure, but it's true nonetheless. Abel was the first shepherd. In Genesis 4, we're told that Abel was a keeper of sheep. Israel was a nation of shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob cared for flocks of sheep and for goats. Moses and David were actual shepherds. You could go out and you could see them tending their flocks. Moses appointed Joshua to shepherd Israel to the promised land. And the prophets portray kings as shepherds of the people. Unfortunately, many of Israel's kings cared nothing for the flock of God, and instead of feeding the flock, They made themselves fat by devouring the flock. This is why in passages like Ezekiel 34, God promises to shepherd his people personally. Pay attention to how many times the word I comes up here. For thus says the Lord God, Behold I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. At the same time, God promises to set a new David over them as shepherd to lead and feed the flock of God. In Ezekiel 37 says, My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. Now, David is long dead by the time Ezekiel gives this prophecy. David's been centuries dead. So, Ezekiel is prophesying about a new David to come, a risen David one with the shepherd's heart like David, who will shepherd the flock of God. And that's Jesus, who identified himself as this shepherd to come. In John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the chief shepherd that Peter's talking about in our text tonight in verse 4. Yes, Jesus is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords and he is the Prince of Peace and he is the name above all names. But when he won those titles through his crucifixion, he didn't lay aside his title of chief shepherd. He is our chief shepherd still. Digging a little deeper, the prophet Jeremiah said that God would raise up other shepherds who would assist the chief shepherd. In Jeremiah 23, he says, I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. And that's why Peter says to the elders in this passage, to shepherd the flock of God. It's what Jesus himself, after he was raised from the dead, said to Peter, feed my sheep. So from Abel to today, I and my fellow elders and pastors in Jesus' capital C church all over the world stand in a long line of shepherds. But what exactly does an elder do? What does an elder do? What's the job description for an elder? You may have wondered that yourself these past couple weeks when we talked about me being ordained as an elder. You might have thought, wow, that's great. But well, What does it mean? Are Kelly's responsibilities going to change? Do we, do we have to call him Kelly the Elder? Or run it together, Kelder? <laughs> Which I don't think we should do. I know, I asked for that. Well, let's look at it this way. Being an apostle doesn't mean that Peter has left those shepherding duties behind. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Peter is speaking to the elders that he's writing to as fellow elders. He hasn't left this shepherding responsibility behind. And he can speak to these elders as one who participates in the work of shepherding, the work of shepherding. After all, being ordained as an elder is not the equivalent of a life achievement award for saintliness. I promise you, it's not that. It's work. In 1 Timothy, Paul, Paul says, the saying is trustworthy, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It's a task. It's work. If you want to be an elder, you better be up for some serious work. And if the shepherd is our model... It's often confusing, and messy, and sometimes lonely work. There's danger from predators. There's sleepless nights worrying about the flock. There's searching for strays. People in desperate situations may look to you for help, for wisdom and guidance. And sometimes when you offer that wisdom and guidance, they discover that they don't really want it. Thank you very much. That's why Peter says that we don't do it out of compulsion, we don't do it out of uh, desire for shameless gain, shameful gain, or to go on a power trip with people. It's a labor of love. Being an elder, being a shepherd is a labor of love. So when Peter exhorts the elders to shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight, I take that as a charge to me as an ordained elder and what I am to do. And bringing in some things that Paul says to Timothy and Titus in the pastoral epistles, I think we have a basic job description for elders. And there are five main things, five primary things that I want to lay out in that job description. And number one is to feed the flock. In both of his letters to Timothy, Paul says that elders must be able to teach. And this is where a lot of men say, well, I'm out, <laughs> forget it, I guess I'll never be an elder. I can't give a sermon every week, and I certainly don't want to, and so I guess I'm just never going to be an elder. Well, Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. He didn't say, write and give a sermon every single week. Elders should be able to do a couple of important things in this area. We need to be able to communicate the gospel, what it means. That Jesus was born, that he ministered and taught, that he died, that he was raised, that he ascended, and that he now reigns. We need to be able to show how the Old Testament points ahead to Jesus. Not just here and there, but everywhere. The whole Old Testament is about Jesus and points to Jesus. And we need to be able to show how that works. And we need to protect the flock from false teaching. We need to have eyes and ears attuned to God's truth so that we can recognize false teaching and warn the flock away from it when it comes. So know the Bible well, know how to share the gospel, have a nose for false teaching. There's no seminary degree required for that. It's just good old-fashioned shepherding work, and you can do it. Number two is to track down strays. Tracking down strays is something that most people with the heart to do it can do. Shepherds have to be close enough to the sheep to know when one is heading off of the ranch. I don't know how many times I've heard stories of wonderful godly men who shipwreck their lives by divorcing their wives, leaving the faith, having an affair, abandoning their families, and sometimes all of the above. Now, almost nobody is a God-loving, earnest, faithful Christian one day and then burning everything down around them the next day. There's usually some kind of drift that happens Over time. Being less open with friends about his life, becoming less reliable, flaking out here and there, finding fault with his wife, kids, church, friends, and so on. And I wonder, sometimes when I hear these stories, did nobody see this coming? Did nobody see where this guy was heading? Did nobody get involved? Were there signs and the church leaders just let it happen? And so it's the shepherd's job to track down the strays. And we all have free will, and sometimes people who are intent on going their own way will continue to go on their own way, no matter how much you try to intervene and try to help. But unless a shepherd is close to the ground and gets involved, you can almost guarantee that the wolves will get the wayward sheep. So an elder tracks people down and isn't afraid to be a pest. Number three, Three and four are so closely intertwined that, that I have them together. Lead without lording and model maturity. Peter says to shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. During the fast, I spent a lot of time in First and 2 Timothy and in Titus, And one thing that stood out to me that I'd never really noticed before was Paul's emphasis on how Timothy and Titus should speak. How they should speak. So here are a couple of examples. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. That is hard to do. Because when somebody is opposing you, they're usually coming in with some heat and to, to take that 10,000 volt and return it at 1,000, that, that is something that requires maturity. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. I think that's something that begins at home. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So, kindness, gentleness, patience, sound speech. An elder speaks to Jesus' people in the manner that Jesus himself would speak to them. And Jesus is friendly, God is friendly. Jesus is friendly. Jesus was secure because he knew the Father. Now our minds might go sometimes to places in the Gospels where Jesus blasts the Pharisees and the scribes and calls them hypocrites. But you only break a window when there's no other way into the house. When you've tried everything else to get the window open and it doesn't work, that's when you break the window. And perhaps by calling them hypocrites, Jesus could finally shake them out of their self-congratulatory complacency and help them see themselves as they really were. Jesus isn't calling them names. He's not degrading himself to name-calling. He's telling them what they are actually being like. And he's doing so in the hope that finally, maybe, they will listen. But most of what Jesus says fulfills Isaiah 42, verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. An elder has to be self-controlled and not give in to frustration or retaliation and speak kindly, gently, patiently, and of course truthfully. This is part of modeling maturity. Not modeling perfection, but modeling maturity. A life that is continually growing in Christ And this is where the character qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 and and Titus 1 come in. So sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, taking care of things at home, and not a recent convert. This is somebody who is reliably not living according to the works of the flesh, but instead is displaying the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus calls us to work on these traits so that we can be mature. And when I think of what it means for me to to be mature, I think of embodying Jesus' teaching in all aspects of my life, having full confidence in the Father's provision for my life, not being perpetually anxious, but trusting in God's provision, meeting with the Father in secret rather than doing things to be seen by others. Praying for enemies, praying for people who don't like me. Blessing those who would curse me. Withholding judgment and extending mercy. Finding greatness in serving and not in being served. And so much more. And as obedience to Jesus becomes what I truly will for my life, I become more mature. And from there, I can help fellow students in Jesus' master class of life grow in maturity. Amen. Amen. And then number five is to pray. None of an elder's work can be done without prayer. And a shepherd knows that a healthy flock needs more help than he can give by himself. And so an elder is frequently interceding for the congregation as a whole, for families, for individuals, for situations, for people outside the fold, and for protection for himself, for his family and for the church Jesus is alive and sitting at the father's hand right hand right now and he intercedes for his people as our high priest and when elders pray for their churches we under shepherds combine our voices with Jesus in asking the father to guard the sheep and lead them safely home so summing up the job description for an elder as best as i can understand it feed the sheep track down strays Lead without lording, model maturity, and pray. And love it as a noble task. Love the work, not the title. And in closing, I want to speak directly to the men. I want to speak to the men. If you lead a home group, or if you help lead a home group, you're doing these things already. Undoubtedly, you're doing these things already. You're probably studying the Bible and communicating it to others. You're getting involved in people's lives and you're not shying away when things get messy. You're teaching and correcting and maybe even rebuking and hopefully with kindness and gentleness and patience. You're modeling maturity and you're praying for your family, your home group and your church. You're already shepherding the flock of God. You're already doing it. And I just want to encourage you to keep going. Keep doing it and and aspire to be used in this way in deeper and deeper measure. As Paul says to Timothy, and Chad read it earlier, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And if you're not helping lead a home group yet, keep growing in maturity. Keep pressing into Christ and let him put his life more fully in you and grow in maturity. We need more home group leaders. We need more men who will step up and who will care for others. Last thought. There's a great reward in doing the work, as many of you know and have experienced, but there's also the reward to come. As Peter says in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I want to attain that crown, and I hope to do so alongside several of you as we stand together in this long line of shepherds. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.